Uh, let's open with prayer. Father, how uh, good it is that we can be here with you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that in the fullness of time, you chose to come and to reveal yourself to us, to come and speak your precious words to us. And Father and Jesus, we thank you that you have left your words with us, uh, ringing in our ears, resounding in our hearts. And we pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would send your Holy Spirit to take those words and, and open them up and amplify them and, and, and minister to, to your body. We thank you for one another. We thank you for the Holy Spirit we th who gives us life. We thank you for one another and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be with us and bless us now as we speak of the words of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through Matthew 5. Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who know they need him, that apart from him they can do nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, all that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? Mourn their acts of independence. And those acts of independence cause the flesh to manifest. And what does the flesh look like? Well, is it, it is not lovely, it is not joyful, it is not peaceful, it is not patient. It has no self-control. Actually, it's quite ugly. Who mourn their independence, for they shall be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, blessed are the meek. And who are the meek? Are the meek the weak? No, the meek aren't the weak. Jesus was meek. Moses was meek. The meek are those who have power, but they have completely submitted it to the authority in their life. And Jesus says, I came to do my Father's will. Jesus lived in total submission to the Father, and the life of the Father flowed through Jesus as he abided in him. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, blessed are those who are merciful, those who give grace to others. And that grace is based upon the fact of their own understanding of the gospel. That as we, brothers and sisters, were running to hell just as fast as we could get there, and one day Jesus put his foot out and tripped us. <laughs> he chose to catch us and give us grace to believe his word, give us grace to have faith in him, give, his grace, give us grace to embrace him and be saved by him. Blessed are the merciful who give grace to others, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who have no agenda in their relationship with God than God himself. They're not seeking him for what he will do for them, that he'll be their servant or their helper, but that they seek him only for who he is. And Jesus says those who seek him with a pure heart, with no mixed motives, they shall see him. Blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers are those who bring the peace of Christ into the middle of a conflicted situation. They should be called sons of God because they will look, they will resemble. That's what God does. Who was the greatest peacemaker that ever lived? Jesus. And he made peace on that cross. And if you find yourself a peacemaker, you'll discover that blessed are those who are persecuted for all that is good and persecuted for the sake of his name. Because all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Because as we follow him, we will, feel a, we will be a little unusual. <laughs> a little unusual. Not bad, but unusual. If you're a teen, you're unusual because 
you won't participate in all the events. If you're a, a grown-up, if you're an adult, if you're an ambassador, if you're a businessman, you won't feel good about doing certain things or not doing certain things, and we will be persecuted for that. So now, this morning, what we're going to talk about is Jesus says, when he talked last time, he ended up by saying, and because you'll be persecuted, you'll end up being salt and you'll be light. Because you're out in the world, you'll be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We discussed that salt does, is not even alive, but if you take a piece of ice and put it on it, it'll melt it. If you put a piece of meat on it, it'll preserve it. If you put a cut on it, it'll heal it. Salt is not even alive, but everything that comes in contact with it is changed by just the very nature of what salt is. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He also says, you are the light of the world. He said of himself, he was the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And as we abide in him, his light, his life flows through us. And that light gives direction to people. It illuminates darkness. It gives life. And it gives comfort. And the verse we're going to talk about today is Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. Do not think I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fully fill. Now, why do you think the Jews and the people listening to Jesus thought that he had come to destroy the law of the prophets? Why do, you, why do you think they thought that of him? Well, Jesus had this habit of doing his biggest miracles on the Sabbath. And the Jewish nation and the Jewish people, they did not embrace the personality of God. They embraced they embraced a legal system. And Jesus was going to try to come in and break people free from being in bondage to a legal system. So Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, you know, Moses gave you circumcision, but it wasn't from Moses, it was from God. And if a man, if the law of Moses says a man must be circumcised on the eighth day, and you circumcise him on the Sabbath, that's okay. It's okay when you break the Sabbath to circumcise a man to keep the law of Moses. But he says, if I have made a man completely well, completely healed, he says, don't judge just through sight, but judge with right judgment. The Jews embraced this legal system and the law was way beyond what Moses shared in Leviticus. Then there was a rabbinical law where they started exegesing that law and making laws and laws and laws. There were so many laws, nobody knew all the laws. And I would imagine that somebody has come here this morning that thinks Christianity is about keeping a bunch of rules. It's about doing a bunch of things. Or it's about not doing a bunch of things. Has anybody ever thought that that's what Christian, Christianity is about? It's about doing a bunch of things or not doing a bunch of things? It's not. Christianity is about only one thing, the person of Christ and our response to him. He says, come to me, all you who are tired and worn out and beat up and confused and feeling guilty and feeling sinful and have no strength he says, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the way to go. I am the truth to know. I am the life to live. 
If any man comes to me, he will not be cast out. He says, whoever believes in me will have life, and that more abundantly. For God so loved the world that he sent, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him and in his sacrifice for them shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So this is the first thing Jesus wanted to smash. It's this idea that we can have a relationship with God through doing things and not doing things. We can have a relationship with God only one way, through the Son, as we put our faith in Him, and a faith the fact that He died in your place and in my place, and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took the bullet for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for me. I accept your sacrifice. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't, hasn't done that, it doesn't take the right words. It's the heart. It's the heart. If you need a Savior, if you want to feel completely forgiven, completely clean, completely washed, say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Okay, he, when he talks about it, he says, you know, I've not come to, to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. It's very important that Jesus fulfill the law because Jesus had to be the perfect sacrifice. And to be the perfect sacrifice, he as a man had to completely fulfill every aspect of the law. And as he did that, he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb without blemish who died for all of us who are blemished. Then he goes on to say, you know, whosoever breaks even the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever keeps these commandments, he should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's talk about some news here. <laughs> Jesus has just introduced the fact that there's going to be some categories in the kingdom of heaven. He says, he who breaks one of these commandments and teaches others, he's going to be called least. And he says, whosoever keeps these and teaches others, he's going to be called great. That means somebody's going to be greater than me, somebody's going to be maybe not any lesser than me. But there's going to be some scales. Things that we do on earth, things that we don't do on earth, have eternal significance. You know, it's nice to think, well, you know, when we go to heaven, everybody is good. Well, everybody is good. But there will be some differences. But let me give you some good news. Let's say that you've been doing some things that you didn't think you should be doing, and you've been not doing some things that you think you should be doing, and you were saved, and you find yourself in heaven, the least in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you this. It's not so bad to be least in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said of John the Baptist, and you know who John the Baptist was? John the Baptist preceded Jesus. John the Baptist, he also was mirac miraculously conceived, or let's say it was a miracle, miraculous conception. His mother was very old, just like Sarah, not quite that old, but very old. And we're told that John was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That didn't happen to Peter and Paul until Pentecost. 
John came out full of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, of those born of woman, women, woman, there has never been one greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus said, nevertheless, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Now that's pretty cool. So if you're even on the front back row, you're greater than any man who ever walked this earth. It is unbelievable. And well, I could talk more about that. Um, but let me tell you what makes a difference here. When you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, everything our heart desires gets fulfilled. Everything you've ever desired, everything you've desired about your relationship with Jesus gets fulfilled times a thousand or a hundred thousand times. So if I have only yearned for a relationship with him a little here, whatever I've yearned for, that gets fulfilled a hundred thousand times. But if I have yearned for him very greatly here, that gets also fulfilled a hundred thousand times. Now, everybody gets all that they ever wanted. And nobody's jealous of anybody else because everybody got whatever they wanted. So he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is sitting on a throne because that's what he always wanted to do. And he who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven is washing his feet. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is sitting at a table. He just couldn't wait to get to that table and eat that great meal. And he who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven isn't sitting at the table. He's serving him. Now here is the very interesting thing. The person who's least in the kingdom of heaven who's sitting on that throne, he is not the least bit jealous of the person who's washing his feet who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Because he got to do what he always wanted to do. He got to sit on the throne. And the person who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven and he is washing his feet, he's not the least bit jealous of the guy who's sitting on the throne because he got to do what he always wanted to do, wash feet. And the man who's sitting at the table is not jealous of the man who's serving him. Because he always wanted to be at the table, he got what he wanted. The man who is serving him is not least jealous of the man who's eating, because he got what he wanted. The least are not jealous of the greatest. The greatest are not, they get what they want. So, brothers and sisters, those things that we do, those things that we don't do here, do make a difference for eternity. He says it's important that all this be fulfilled. All this be fulfilled. Jesus goes on to say, you've heard that it's been said, you shall not murder. But I say, whosoever is angry, you should not murder, and whosoever murders is in danger of the judgment. But he says, I tell you, whosoever is angry with his brother, is in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, you idiot, is in danger of the council. And whoever says to his brother, you fool, is in danger of the fires of hell. Okay, these people who are keeping a legal system, they say, well, I'm not murdering, I'm not stealing, I'm not coveting, I'm not committing adultery. Jesus has introduced a whole new aspect to this. Jesus says, if you just think it, if you just think evil of your brother, if you just have anger of your brother, you are sinning, you are murdering your brother. 
he's introduced a whole new realm. Because the Pharisees, they could get along pretty good because outwardly they could keep the law. But Jesus shows what the law really demands. It demands a heart, a perfect heart. The law was given for several reasons. The first reason the law was given was to show us who God is. God says, do not kill because I'm not a murderer. Do not steal because I'm not a theft. Do not commit adultery because I am faithful. Do not lie because I am truth. The law showed us what God was like. The law did something else. It shows us what we're like. We're not like God. We're told that the law was given to cause sin to increase. You tell a man don't do something, that's what he wants to do. Do any of you have any children about three or four years old? If you do, I'll give you an experiment. You go home tonight, and you put some beans on the table, and you tell your three-year-old, especially a son, you know, you can do anything you want to with these beans. You can make a house out of them. You can shoot them through a straw. You can do anything, but there's one thing you can't do with these beans. Don't put a bean up your nose. You walk out of the room, I guarantee you, you come back 30 minutes later, you'll be on your way to the emergency at Beijing United to get that bean out of his nose. He would never have dreamed of putting a bean up his nose until he was told not to do it. And that, brothers and sisters, is another thing the law came to do, is to show us that nature that Christ had to die for and that he had to put a new man in us so as we abide in him, that nature isn't realized every moment of our life. And some good news about the last thing this law came to do. Jesus said, I came to fulfill it. If you and I and you have been born again, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's taken away our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. And actually, the law now becomes our very nature. So you can read the Ten Commandments, and God says, you shall not kill. That's a promise. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not. You will not. The law becomes a promise to all of us. First John says, and this is the love of God, that we keep the law. And it's not grievous. It's, it's, it, it doesn't disturb us. Actually, it is our very nature as new creatures in Christ. It's our very nature. And that, brothers and sisters, is very good news. Jesus says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. All this Sermon on Mount is about is not about a bunch of things he's asking you and I to do. The Sermon on the Mount is what a life would look like if it was abiding in Christ 24-7. And if you and I abide in him, then he will abide in us. And he gave himself for us, as someone has said, so he could give himself to us so he could live his life through us. And he actually wants to live his perfect life through each one of us, before our families, in our homes, in our offices, in our schoolrooms, on the street. And he wants to continue to touch and reach this world for himself through us. And as salt is not intentional, and as light is not intentional, it's just there. You and I actually don't have to be intentional, except about one thing, abiding. 
Does a branch do anything to bear fruit? Does a branch do anything to manifest light? No, it just stays plugged in. And that's what he's calling each of us to do, is just stay plugged in. And how do we stay plugged in? Well, we start confessing, get back to Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are those who know they need him. Then we start using these words, I can't. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good brother. I can't be a good businessman. I can't be a good diplomat. I can't be a good that. I can't be a good that. And then let Jesus say to you, I never said you could. And then we confess, thank you, Jesus, that you and me, thank you, Jesus, that you and me are the perfect son to father. Bring him pleasure all day long. Thank you that you and me are the perfect husband to Kathy. Thank you that you and me is the perfect father to da-da-da-da-da. Thank you that you and me is the perfect brother, the perfect employer, the imperfect employee. Thank you, Jesus, that you are all those things in me. And this is appropriating the life of Jesus to our lives today. And that's what he wants us to do. That's what he saved us to be. Each one of us are temples of the Holy Spirit. It's not like the Spirit comes here on Sunday morning when Doug starts playing his guitar. The Spirit is in us all. It, it's in us when we go to sleep at night. It's in us when we wake up. When we sin, it's in us, and that's why we feel so bad when we sin. Because there's two things that make us feel bad, the Holy Spirit and also our new nature. Because sin is contrary to our newly recreated nature. It's not that believers don't sin. The difference between believers and unbelievers is that the believers can't enjoy their sin because it's absolutely contrary to our new nature. Our new nature has been created in his likeness and righteousness, the sum of all that's good and holiness, the absence of all that's evil. And we can sin, but it tastes good in the mouth, but it's bad in the stomach. Most unhappy people of the world are not the sons of Adam. The most unhappy people of the world are Christians who are not abiding in Christ, but in this world, because they're living not according to their newly created nature. Let me uh, close this in prayer. We're going to have another worship song. Father, uh, how good it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together. Father, how simply you have made this formula um, of abiding. Father, we find it very difficult to apply but the formula is very, very simple. I thank you, Father, that your son modeled this for us. Is he abided in you? And you made your life evident through him. And I pray that you would give each of us the grace to find our home in you, in Jesus, in you, Jesus, that you could flow your life through us. We thank you for this time together this morning. We pray that you would take uh, this last few minutes, bring your spirit to be with us, to lead us in worship of you, Father, to correct our thoughts, to cleanse our minds, to direct our wills, to encourage us in this new week as we go out into this world, Father, that we would not go out in our own strength, but we would go out the power of your life flowing through us, your branches. We make this prayer in the name of Christ. Amen.